It's Victor from Farter Figures on Sin Nation. Last week's episode was all about addicted dads. I really recommend you check the podcast out first, but if you already have, I've decided to include the full interview with one of our dads, Paul. Because the show's only an hour long, and there are often lots of guests on, I can't always play as much content as I would like. I think this whole interview deserves to be heard. It's an interesting, sad, and inspiring story of a dad with two daughters who suffered from alcoholism. We talk about his addiction, getting sober, the impact his dependency had on his parenting, and how he's now making amends. Enjoy this bonus content, and I look forward to having you on board every Wednesday night at 7.30 for much more dad chatter on Father Figures. Cheers. I think we could just start with a little bit of, um, I guess, background about uh, your travels with um, alcohol addiction and then sort of how that coincided, you know, and how you started a family and how, how that it all came together, I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I think I, I had a very good upbringing, came from a very good home. Um, mum and dad were, well, dad's no longer with us, but... Mum still is, and uh, but they were both teetotalers, basically. Um, and I just started hanging out with mates who we all just enjoyed drinking a lot. Uh, and I've heard it said competitive drinking, where we just, you know, the, the more smashed we got, the funnier it was and all that sort of stuff, which is how a lot of people are in their teens and 20s and stuff like that. Um, and with me, I had a bit of a rough time, probably 2021, and and I think I came out of that with post-traumatic stress disorder syndrome, PTSD disorder. Um, and I just sort of, from then on, I just sort of needed to drink every now uh, every night just to sort of unwind a bit. And uh, but then it just progressed. And uh, I didn't realise till later on in life, once I learnt a lot more about alcoholism, that it's a progressive disease, and uh, and it just got worse and worse. Um, and uh, but I got married, been married twice. First time I got married was late twenties, and uh, I came, as I said, I came from a good family, and uh, and I was the youngest of five kids, and. I always wanted to have my own family, my own kids, and basically bring them up as I had been brought up, which was just have uh, wonderful memories of the childhood. Um, And my addiction sort of got in the way of all of that, Um, and the best laid plans sort of ended up going out the window because drinking became more important than everything. And uh, and so the first marriage had a uh, little daughter Madeline, and uh, and then that sort of marriage ended. And I put a lot of that down to my excessive drinking, and uh, then got married oh, probably about five years after the first marriage dissolved, and. Uh, had another daughter, and again, that marriage uh, 
basically got destroyed by too much alcohol as well. And um, and then I was out by myself with two failed marriages and really started to drink big time after that. Even though I drank a lot before that, it, it just progressed and until uh, I was just a bit of a lost soul. Um, and uh, But I still saw the girls because um, I had a daughter, Zara, from the second marriage. Um, and I still saw them on weekends. But again, I was uh, drinking on the weekends when I had them. And uh, and I thought I was doing a great job as a dad, but uh, I look back now and just think, what planet was I on? Because there's no way known I could have been being a good role model for children uh, as well as pursuing a, a self-destruction of, uh, through alcoholism. So what sort of uh, yeah. impact do you think that you know your addiction had on your ability to be that good parent or the parent you wanted to be? <clears throat> well, in my case, it was, um, well, I wouldn't be able to drive a lot of the time because I didn't want to be over 0.05. So that curtailed a lot of outings or what have you. I did end up taking Zara, my youngest girl, daughter up to the snow um, in a moment of sobriety just for a day or two. Um, but it was just a... Because it, an addiction is a very selfish, self-centred thing. And um, and it... So I wasn't the parent who I should have been. Um, I would go to bed early because I'd just be... I'd just pass out, basically. and uh, And sometimes that was in front of my daughters um, and they would just be trying to wake me up and throwing glasses of water on me and stuff trying to wake me up uh, and it was just terrible like it was very uh, negligent on my behalf but that's that was how I lived um, because I was a, an active alcoholic and um and looking back on it now, there's a, a huge amount of shame of the amount of things which I should have been doing, able to do and, and as a father, and I just didn't do them. Mm. Um, but I still did, um, I guess I've always been a bit wacky, and um, in terms of having fun, um, and laughing and what have you. I wasn't a a, mor a morose sort of drunk. I think I was a happy sort of... I just went into party mode when I drank, and so everything had to be fun. Um, but it was probably just... I think my daughter's must have thought, what planet is that on a lot of the time? Um, and so that was... Uh, so I'm... So I'd have them on Saturday, and then I'd start drinking early afternoon. So by night time, I was pretty well smashed again. And then Sunday morning, um, massive hangover. I'd have the girls trying to wake me up. 
And, you know, I'd say, oh, leave me alone, I'm not well. Um, and just, you know, but that's all, that's all that I knew how to behave because I was in the grips of uh, this disease. And, um, and so, yes, it did affect my daughters. Um, my eldest daughter, by the time she was 17 or 18, she actually changed her surname by deed poll because she thought I was just a waste of space, basically. Um, and I still have my youngest daughter, who's now 15. She still struggles with how I was. Um, I've had nearly four, four years of sobriety now, which have just been wonderful. Um, as they say, the best form of apology is changed behaviour. And so I've changed all of my behaviours. Um, and, and I had to be honest with myself and basically wake up to how I was and then do a monumental change of my outlook on life and how to treat people. And myself. Yep. Um, well, I treated myself appallingly for so long. Well, I drank for 35 years. I didn't get sober until I was 50. And um, and how I survived, I will never know. That is just an absolute... It's a miracle. Um, and these days I'm in good health. I go to the doctor and I have checkups and my liver and everything's fine. And Because um, the body does recover. Uh, and I'm just blessed that I did get sober and can now lead a, a good life and treat my daughters and my, the rest of my family as as a father should. Yeah, well said. And 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 how how did you get clean? And and how much was getting clean to do with um, you know being a dad and to do with doing it for your children? Uh, I basically ended up homeless um, and I was staying at my mum's house. She was living at Malden and she couldn't handle me so I was staying in a caravan park at a place called Barring Up. Uh, just drinking myself to oblivion day in, day out. Um, got myself to a drug and alcohol. In the end, I was just going nuts uh, in my mind. Uh, so I went and saw a drug and alcohol counsellor in Castlemaine who got me into Odyssey House. Um, and so that was, it was uh, Odyssey House in Moliula, which is out of Benalla, a little farmhouse which has got takes 14 residents. And that was the first time in years that I'd ever been sober for any length of time. And uh, I was on and off there for four months. In total, and uh, and that was that was amazing because I was able to after a couple of weeks of sobriety, I was able to write again. I couldn't write or do anything which meant that I needed to have a steady hand. Um, my past had been as a industrial designer, and I couldn't do that. I couldn't even weld in the end because I was shaking so much through 
through the drinking. Um, and yeah, so after a while in, in rehab, I started to be able to function again. I thought, wow, I never thought I was going to be able to write ever again. It was just this drunken, scribble, shaky, scribble the whole time whenever I tried to write. Um, and, but it was trying to come to terms with, I didn't understand alcoholism at all. I just thought I'd, I was having a pretty bad time and, and I'd be able to, to stop drinking whenever I wanted to. And that was a, a denial in its greatest form ever. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, finally, well, after four months in rehab, I, I got out and I was very thirsty when I got out because I just couldn't understand how to live without drinking. So I got out and drank solid for two weeks. But in the meantime, rehab had got me a, a government house, a unit in, in the country. And uh, so I moved in there and just drank solidly for two weeks and then woke up one morning and thought I was going to die and thought I've got to change my ways because this is wrong. And so I guess I had to, I hit rock bottom. And uh, then I just started putting everything that I was taught in Odyssey House. I started putting it into practice and uh, and it all started to make sense. Um, a lot of getting to AA meetings um, and following the AA path, which has just been incredible. Um, I hear some people say that AA is a cult, and I've never heard anything so ridiculous. It's the most amazing group of people who um, have walked my path and have found a way to turn their lives around. And because uh, there's no way now I could have done it by myself, um, I did need a lot of help, and uh, so I still get to meetings. Um, as they say, in order to keep it, you need to give it away. So for me to keep my sobriety, I need to help others. Yep. And, uh, and so it's sorry. Yes. Yeah. No. No. I was just going to say, um, you know, did you get any support from you know your own kids or sort of what you know what was their reaction when you were sort of telling them? How Very you... positive from Madeline. Uh, I'm from Sarah. Um, Madeline, especially because she seen me for longer than Zara had. Zara was only, must have been 11 when I got sober. Um, Madeline was very supportive. Uh, see, towards the end of my drinking, I was calling Madeline when she must have been 19 or 18 and saying, you've got to help me, I can't stop drinking. And she was saying, well, it's not my job, Dad. You know, you've got to sort this out yourself, which was very wise of her. She didn't get involved. Um... Uh, she had her own life to lead, and that's just the selfishness of me being uh, an alcoholic. Um, and she was very wise, uh, and in that outlook, and she said, "You've got to do this for yourself." Uh, and I did. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't do it for my daughters. I had to do it for myself. You can't get sober for other people. You have to do it for yourself. And uh, then it all starts to work because you've. You've got a goal and you see yourself changing on the inside and then you just build on that. Uh, but ever since then, Madeline has uh, 
this is the one who changed his surname by deed poll. We're very, very close now. Um, as I said, she'd just given me up as a waste of time. And uh, I know we talked about daily on the phone. Um, and that's just... As I said earlier, it's, it's the best apology on earth is changed behaviour, and because uh, I've changed my behaviours, um, and with it uh, came a different, probably a more spiritualistic outlook on life through AA. Um, I don't know. It's just it's been quite a journey. It's been brilliant. Um, for anyone who is in the depths of alcoholism or, or any addiction, uh, the main thing is to, is to have hope because when you're in the depths of an addiction, you lose hope of everything. And uh, once you can grasp a little bit of hope, then it just builds and builds and builds and before long you've been able to turn your life around. And uh, as I said, I had 35 years of drinking and, and the last four years have just been amazing, amazingly wonderful. So you think that, you know, your relationships with your daughters as, as you know, have you seen the masses of changes with your relationship now that you've become sober? Uh, yes. With my, my youngest daughter, Zara, there are still, she has some problems coming to to terms with it, um, and but I've sat down with her and I've, I've said, look, you know, I'm, I'm uh, I've apologised and said, you know, I'm, you know, as my beautiful daughter, I'm just very sorry of the way that I was, um, and she's she's still got some. Uh, how do you say, grievances about it all. And I don't blame her. Um, and, but I, uh, I don't see her as much as I'd like to because um, I'm in the country now and she's in Melbourne. I do get down. Well, I saw her on Sunday playing footy. Um, I don't see her as much as I'd like to. Um, but I'm, hopefully over time that will change. Uh, she does talk to me about, she was talking the other day about an assignment they had at school about how addictions get passed down through families and she couldn't find any data on it on, online. And uh, so I've talked to her about that, how, yes, it does happen. Um, but um, it probably takes a long time for kids to realise that dad has changed um, and I just have to be patient um, and keep doing the right thing all the time and it you know, might take another five, ten years until she can understand that, you know, she gets older, realise that, you know, I was, I was very, very sick and but I have changed turned my life around and um and hopefully oh, I don't know, just 
hopefully it'll all work out in the end that the, the girls haven't, Zara especially hasn't been, oh, both of them, I can't just single out one, but neither of them have started long-term from the way that I was. Mm. And and you did mention um, before that, that whole thing whether um, addiction is something that comes about through genetics or, you know, the, the nature versus nurture sort of debate. Um, you know, how do you feel about that and, and how important do you think it is for you to try and, you know, stop your kids from sort of following in maybe your footsteps of, you know, having... Well, it's very, it's very important because I do meet a lot of people who they say, you know, my dad was an alcoholic and I swore black and blue that I would never end up like him. And 20 years later, here I am, I'm a out-of-control alcoholic. Um, and, and I see that all the time. And, uh, and so I have spoken to the girls and said, you know, it, it is a hereditary thing. It can be passed down through generations. As I said, my parents were teetotalers, but I think further back there was alcoholism. Um, but uh, uh, in the same breath, nobody else poured the drink down my throat except for me. Um, and the you know the crazy times I was having with all my friends. I think because of you know what happened to you, that will you know make them you know less less inclined as such to. You know, it'll sort of put them off in in some sense. I don't know if that's worded right, but um... well, I, I I hope so. But people follow their own paths. Um, you know, I can only do so much to say be very careful. But um, I knew when I was I know that when I was that age, you know, teens and twenties, if I had some older bloke saying, "Watch what you're doing," you know, be very careful. You'd go, "What the hell do you know?" <laughs> Um, and you know it's very hard to put an old head on young shoulders because when you're caught up in all of the just madness and fun you know I had a hell of a lot of fun in my early drinking days until it became an absolute nightmare and I couldn't stop um, but it's very hard to get the message through when people are in the midst of, of what they consider to be the be all and end all of how to have fun which is just getting wasted um, so all I can, all I've been able to do is just say, be careful because you could end up the way that I ended up if you're not careful. Mm. Um, and did you try and, uh, hide your, the addiction from your Oh, daughters? absolutely. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I, as an example of, of my drinking, I would drive home from work and stop at a bottle shop which was only about two minutes from where mum and dad were living where I was crashing for a while and I'd buy a 750ml bottle of port and a couple of five-litre casks of wine and between the bottle shop and home I would scull a 750ml bottle of port in two minutes um, and that would knock the edge off the day and I'd walk in the door and mum would say, have you been drinking? I'd go, no, no, I'm fine. I've only just bought a cask of wine. And so after sculling down a 750ml bottle of port, then I'd just 
get stuck into five-litre car for the wine. And the whole time I'd be saying, no, I'm going to tell you, you know, halfway through the night, you're ragingly drunk. And I'd go, no, no, there's nothing wrong with me. But I'd have um, bottles hidden all over the place, um, you know, because I'd get up in the morning and start drinking and um, totally in denial. And, uh, I mean, people aren't stupid. I thought I'd fooled everybody that I was getting away with it and uh, people weren't noticing that I was just smashed. But, you know, it was just crazy. Um, but that's part and parcel of, of, of a lot of people, a lot of alcoholics, you try, you try and hide it. Um, and uh, I stopped drinking bottled wine uh, because of all of the clinking going on in rubbish bins the following morning. It got embarrassing that every morning I'd just be shoving four bottles into wine bottles in, <laughs> into the rubbish bin, uh, whereas casks didn't make so much noise. You could just crush them and chuck them in the bin. Um, so always trying to hide how much I drank. Um, and But I was only fooling myself. Mm. I wasn't fooling anybody else. And and did your, any, did your kids ever sort of approach you, you know, about it, saying, you know, Dad... You know, we know you're drinking too much or, or some, anything like that? Yes, yes. Uh, Zara, my youngest, would always say, oh, I'm not drinking again, Dad. And I'd say, oh, no, just, you know, just having a, one glass. And look, that's all I need today, Zara. And and uh, then if she was watching telly, I'd sneak off into another room and try and drink as much as I could while she wasn't watching um, and uh, oh, shocking, you know. But I, I, that's all. I, that's that's how I coped with life. That was my my support was just to to drink. I needed. I had to drink. Um, and like they would know that in the mornings I had raging hangovers, and I would, you know, be sitting down watching telly or playing Monopoly at night with them and I'd just pass out on the chair. Um, so I wasn't fooling anybody. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, do you, you know, did you, you, it seems like you were still around uh, a bit through all of this. Did you feel, you know, you missed out on anything maybe in, you know, in, in your fatheringhood because of the alcoholism? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Well, I wasn't the the sensible, loving father who I should have been. And uh, as I said, I, I couldn't drive anywhere because of point oh five. Um, isn't that crazy that I wouldn't drive just because there was a rule to say don't drive drunk? Uh, if there wasn't a rule, I probably would have. Isn't that just insane? Um and like there were just lots of things where I should have taken my daughters to and see wonderful things, which is what dads do with their kids. And uh, I just I couldn't do it. And uh, so a lot of the weekends were just at at home. Um, and then I'd try and make up excuses to get the girls back early on 
Sundays um, instead of dropping them off at six o'clock at night I'd try and make excuses to get them home at midday or one o'clock just so I could get home and start drinking again um, and they knew all that you know, they wanted to spend time with me but I was just on this self-destructive um, mission but that's as I said that that was how I how I lived. I couldn't live without without alcohol, and mm. the alcohol came first. The kids came second. Yeah. And uh, no. and and did they have um, you know good support from their mothers and and maybe other father figures when you were unwell? Um, I'm not too sure about that. Um, I think. People were amazingly understanding, um, and probably didn't realise how bad it actually was, um, because they might see me pick the girls up on Friday when I was sober, and uh, probably wouldn't have had much of an idea that. You know, I was passing out here, there, and everywhere, and sleeping in on the Sundays. I mean, they would have heard from the girls that I was impossible to wake up in the mornings. And um, I think people just didn't realise how bad it was. And uh, the only the the people who saw it were just my my daughters, and yep. uh, which is pretty bad, really. And uh, and that's why I've had to make amends to them as, as much as I can. Um, and uh, it just keeps getting back to you know, the best form of, of apology is change behaviour and, uh, and just change the person who I was. Um, and that's all through... Um, the wonderful program that's out there for, for helping alcoholics. As I said, I couldn't have done it by myself. Um, and, uh, but I'm just very grateful that, you know, they say life just gets better in sobriety. Life just gets better and better and better, and, and it does. Um, there are always little miracles that pop up all the time. Um, but for me, the main um, the main miracle for me that brings me the most happiness is being able to look my daughters in the eye now, um, knowing that I'm sober, um, I'm honest, and I'm doing the best that I can, mm. and uh, and trying to make amends and and just be a better person. Yeah, well, well said. And and do you have any advice you'd give to any other dads who are you know suffering from an addiction? Um, yes, that having been there, and uh, what happens when you when in addictions is that before very long you ended up digging yourself into a very big hole, and it seems Im impossible to dig yourself out of it. Um, but you can dig yourself out of it. 
and they're wonderful people out the the world I've found is full of just amazingly wonderful people um, and like in the early days of, of sobriety I've moved into Rutherglen, a small town in northeastern Vic and you know a lot of the people there knew that I was a recovering alcoholic but I was giving it my best shot and they saw I was giving it my best shot and they were so supportive and that really surprised me. I thought people would just brush me off. But um, people were just wonderful because they saw that here I was <coughs> giving it a red-hot crack and, uh, and uh, well, I was getting choked up here. But just knowing that my advice to people is seek help um, and you will end up being so surprised at how your life can turn around in an amazingly short amount of time. I'm not, I'm not talking about it'll turn around in a week. Maybe uh, it was probably three to six months before things really started to come good. And uh, But once the ball started rolling, you know, it's like a snowball effect, but once it started to go, it just built and built and built and until next thing you know you've been sober for well, nearly four years now um, and I remember being in rehab and one of the uh, guys on staff he, he said how long have you been sober for he said three and a half years and I was just amazed sitting there with my just a gog and I was like how can somebody stay sober for three and a half years but once once the ball starts rolling, um, it just becomes a way of life, and you surround yourself with good people. Um, you change. I had to change my environment, my old environment, and um, I thought that would have been hard, but it, but it was ended up being easy because the bad got replaced by good, and. Um, yeah, it's just, I've just always been amazed about how how I thought recovery would be to how it actually turned out to be. Um, and it's just been a wonderful, wonderful experience. Well, congratulations, Paul. And and just maybe one last one. Um, now that you are sober and you are four years sober, sort of how are you... You know, how are you going to, I guess, approach your, you know, fatherhood, you know, your dadhood now and, and sort of what, what, how are you going to enjoy it and, and do it better now that, you know, you're sober and how have you been doing that for the last four years or? Well, it was interesting today because I was talking to Madeline and um, she's 25 and uh, we were just talking about outlooks on life. And um, and I was able to give her some advice on the way that she was looking at things at 25 was how I used to look at things when I was 25. And um, just able to give her some sound advice and, and knowing that it's very good advice. It's not just, you know, try this. It was just very sound advice. And um, 
and she she listens to me now because she knows that I've done the hard yards and and I wouldn't talk I wouldn't lie to her about anything. And if I'm if she asks me for advice, I'll give her the best advice I know that's that's helped me. I mean, Madeline's not an alcoholic, but I'm just saying in general day to day life situations I've learned a lot about how to handle things um, which wouldn't which don't turn me towards wanting to have a drink it's just how to handle life on life's terms and uh, and my youngest daughter tells me I'm very wise <laughs> the advice I give her I say no I'm not wise I'm just your dad and I love you to bits and so I'll try and give you the best advice that I can um, because I just, you know, I want to make sure that my girls grow up to be wonderful, wonderful women. Um, and so far, they're doing amazingly well. I'm very proud of my daughters. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I've got to be honest and say, well, their mums have done most of the hard work because I wasn't around. Um, but now I... Am seeing more of them. Um, now I'll try and do the best for them. Uh, you know, I think there's always a special bond between Dad and his daughters, and uh, love my girls to bits. So I just want to make sure that they end up living living a very good life. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well said. Well said. So is there is there anything you'd like to add, Paul? Um, no, just basically that if people do have problems with addictions, um, as I said, there are just wonderful people out there, there are wonderful programs, um, and unfortunately, most people have to hit rock bottom, um, the, I've heard bandied around that the recovery rate from alcoholism is, you know, uh, under 10%. Um, and so 90% don't ever seem to, to make it. Um, but it's being, one of the main things is honesty. You've got to be very, very honest with yourself and uh, realise you're in a terrible predicament and then have a glimmer of hope that you can get yourself out of it with the wonderful people around and wonderful programs.